I've always said, since I've been traveling around the world, if I had my own ways, I would never leave this place. I'd stay here all the time. Each hunting area, each place where you catch fish is different. And each one has a special meaning. Our way of life is sacred to us. It's, it needs our identity. That's Jimmy Ulikatalik, manager of the Taluk Rock Hunters and Trappers Association in Nunavut, and a leading advocate for the creation of the Aviktuk Inuit Protected and Conserved Area, 90,000 square kilometers of marine, terrestrial, and freshwater ecosystems in Nunavut. He's also represented Nunavut at the UN Climate Change Conference recently in Glasgow. He's our guest on this episode of Explore, a Canadian Geographic podcast. In October, I was very lucky to make my second trip to Nunavut, to the hamlet of Tlokrok. It is the most northerly community in mainland Canada. About a thousand people, very welcoming, on the Aviktuk, or Boothia Peninsula, jutting into the Arctic Ocean and Northwest Passage. It's situated on Spence Bay, rows and rows of brightly colored one- and two-story homes, surrounded by a lovely, rolling, rocky landscape. I was there with my Kangeo colleague, Tom Lundy, for a week-long podcasting training session with Inuit youth at the Netsilik School, supported by Canadian Geographic and Polar Knowledge Canada. The amazing throat singers you hear right now, Martha and Joyce, were part of that class. We'll hear their story and others from the class, including Jimmy's grandson, Roger, in the new year. Today, we focus on Jimmy, who is a truly remarkable person. The Aviktuk Peninsula that he's pushing to make into an Inuit-run conservation zone would be the first of its kind anywhere in the world. It's already being patrolled by locals from the community in the newly federally funded Land Guardians program. The wildlife population here on the Aviktuk Peninsula remains strong and healthy, with caribou, muskox, polar bear, fox, seal, whales, fish, migratory birds, and more. And that in part is because the elders here in this community stood up to block a planned oil pipeline through the peninsula back in 1972. In a place where hunting is a major part of what people eat on a daily basis and a means of maintaining physical and mental health, that victory is important. Jimmy's hope is to lock that victory into place for generations to come. So I want to start with here in Tlokorok. Can you first of all just, I mean, tell us about this community and, you know, what the history of it and the Inuit community here? Uh, Hudson Bay Coast. Um, I uh, was traveling this way to uh, get some fox uh, fur and stuff like that. Uh, they were working with uh, local people from Kaliktaluk. Uh, and they uh, end up in uh, Fort Ross and they got a post there. Dutton Bay got a post there. And uh, for uh, two, two summers, they weren't able to um, resupply the uh, the Hudson Bay in uh, Fort Ross. Oh, because the bay was frozen? Yeah, the bay was frozen. Or, or there was too much ice uh, uh, to get to uh, Fort Ross in uh, in those days. Mm-hmm. So the Hudson Bay got uh, turned order, And when the, uh, the local person that was working for uh, Hudson Bay, Mark Cowell, he was asked to find someone from this area. So he got a person named Uhulluk. So they got together and they started flying around this area. 
that's why they didn't want any um, pipeline going through. So, I mean, 1972, that was a very different time, and I think much harder to fight the government back then than it is possibly today. What was, how were they successful? Like, what was the secret to that success? They were very um, adamant about not, not disturbing the land. Yeah. Like I said, because, uh, you know, it looks big on paper, but it's very narrow, but there's so much uh, migratory birds, uh, all kinds of species like caribou, muskox, polar bear dens, wolves. Every species is here to give offspring, and therefore they didn't want to disturb that uh, ecosystem. Therefore, from there, we feel we have the privilege to protect Arbechtok today in honor of those people back in 1972. Yeah. Yeah, because what we know now, I mean, we've seen collapse of caribou herds in other parts of Canada, haven't we? And it's often because of mineral exploration. It doesn't take much to yeah. really upset them as an, a, an animal. Yeah, we looked at all the whole of Canada, uh, the whole of world, of uh, what what mining does to environment. And we hear stories of um, our cousins uh, down south, where their uh, environment is no, no, uh, some place you, you can't able to drink the water anymore. It's so contaminated with, uh, with, uh, stuff. So that, seeing, when we hear things like that and we, we, uh, we know in Kirk Taluk and the West of us, they need takes today, uh, to hunt caribou because we don't want that to happen for our, our herd caribou. A herd caribou is, uh, quite healthy at this time and point, and we want to keep it that way. And therefore, that's why we want this protected area so that uh, caribou and uh, other species could uh, roam freely and uh, uh, um, continue to uh, uh, exist in, on our on, on Avuktuk. Right, Avuktuk. So yeah, Avuktuk is, as you say, it's this protected area, 90,000 square kilometers. And it's a massive area. So it's basically this entire peninsula that we're on and, yeah. and the ocean and the rivers and lakes and yeah. everything in it. Yeah, Yeah, we have six major rivers that are all around Avuktuk that have uh, char-running rivers and many other little ones here and there. But those six major uh, rivers have char-running a few years ago, there was a report on polar bear and Canada having the most cleanest uh, polar bears in the world. Because of that, we want to continue to have, keep, keep it like that. We want to continue to have the best polar bears, and therefore that's how we want to protect Avicto. If we keep the environment clean, the planktons are clean, the fish are eating the good planktons, and the seals are eating the good fish, yeah. fish and then the polar bears eating the uh, good seals, and and that's we're on top of the line. So, therefore, because we're not farmers, we cannot farm anything. Therefore, we want we want to protect our vector because that's our livestock, and we want to continue for them to be uh, contaminant free. Yeah. So, Avictuk, and the idea is then you guys will manage it. This will be an Inuit conservation area. Like, it'll, you'll be responsible for making sure everything is managed properly. It's not something the federal government will be that involved with, or how does that work? Uh, no, we're still working on uh, the details. But yes, that's what we were planning on being. We're the first Inuit led conservation area in the, in the world. 
So therefore, uh, yeah, we, want, we know the land, we, we grew up on this land, we know the seasons, we know the migrations, we know the route. Because of that, we want to manage the land because we know the land more than anyone in the world. Mm -hmm. And you guys are already involved in the Land Guardians program up here, is that right? Yes, they're the eyes and ears for our project. They go out on tasks, they have a weekly plan, do different things to monitor. We have trail camps to monitor caribou. They go sampling the ocean, sampling the lakes, and they also sample animals they catch to bring back to the community to share for the to the elders or single parents or people with low income. So since we had the guardians program uh, and all this is happening, since they bring back game for the communities, they're being referred to as the guardian angels. Yeah, guardian angels. <laughs> nice. It's a nice twist. Yeah. So they're they're all they're all from this community or yes, local communities. Yes, they are from here. They are local people, and uh, they know the land. Uh, to this day, they still still thank us for the job they have, because yeah. you know, we know the land. We would like to go out on the land, and to be paid to go out on the land is a dream come true. Yeah, yeah. No, and it makes so much more sense to have someone who knows the actual what 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 the land is here, mm -hmm. isn't it? Than flying someone like me up south and, from <laughs> up south and. I also wanted to ask you about the country food plant. Niki Hakut, how do you say that? Yeah, Niki Hakut means um, uh, prepared food for us. Yeah. Um, or Niki Hakut is, um, is a kind of facility we want to open in our community. Yeah. Because uh, even though we're in it, we don't have access to country food uh, like. Um, for example, there's uh, ground meat, steaks, filleted uh, uh, fish, stuff like that, but they're not our natural diet. Uh, they're processed food from that, that come from down south, and we have no choice but to buy them because we don't have a cut and wrap facility in our community. Yeah, and it's uh, crazy expensive, I'll say, going and, into the stores and, here. It's yeah, whatever they have on country food in, in the stores, it costs arm and a leg. And therefore, um, we we put in we won an Arctic Inspiration Prize 2020 on our cut and wrap facility. When they asked why we think we should get that prize on our cut and wrap facility, and my answer was because it's common sense to every community in Nunavut. In Nunavut, communities have a cut and wrap facility. They have more access to country food, and then when they have access to country food they'll be more healthy because that's their natural diet. We have a lot of people getting diabetes today because not uh, not having access to country food to eat and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Food from the land, I think it's been pretty well proven that it's much healthier for you. Yeah, it, it hasn't been processed. So, you know, that's what's given to us right from birth. And that's what we know at right from birth. So that's what we... And uh, like I said, it's, it's our natural food. So when we eat it more, we'll, we'll be more healthy and more active. Yeah, mm. yeah. And so is that still in the plans, though? Is, we're, yes, we're, we're, uh, we're still working on that. Uh, like, again, everything was delayed because of uh, COVID. COVID. So uh, everything's still kind of delayed, but we're, we're still, we have more more ideas on how, what we want in the Cardinal facility. Just in terms of uh, coming up with uh, funds and uh, 
uh, getting the Kanuna facility here probably, hopefully, in the fall time next year. Huh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I know you are also, have, you've done some climate change campaigning as well in, in the last few years as well. If, as if you weren't busy enough with all of this yeah. other stuff, you were over in Glasgow at the, at the, at the uh, climate change conference there a few years ago. Yes, uh, um, that was, I uh, have a little story on that. Let's hear it. Uh, I, I, like, I, I invited to go to uh, COP26 in Glasgow. Um, it took me four days to leave Tullogrog yeah. to try and go go to uh, Glasgow because of climate change. <laughs> oh, no. In what way? That, that year, it was uh, foggy. Like, it was in October. It was so warm that year, it, uh, it never frees up for a long time. Uh, when I was growing up, used to, it was frozen, and we could skate on the ponds in, like, September 22, stuff like that. But when I was going to Glasgow, uh, October, uh, the plane kept flying over. And, you know, like, I couldn't go down the plane because, you know, because of climate, and I'm trying to go for a climate change uh, <laughs> conference. So it was kind of ironic yeah, you know, in, in a way. So yeah. The stuff like that. But, yeah, but it was very uh, neat experience uh, going to Glasgow and uh, looking at, uh, like, I've only seen stuff on TV, so seeing it live and being outside of Canada, it was so unreal. Uh, it was a great, a great experience. Uh, we had some good talks. Um, uh, the audience listened very well, and uh, I also had some good uh, feedback on all the talks I had on uh, climate change and Nikkei and Alberto project. Because I mean, it's affecting you up here more than anywhere else on the planet, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's very, it's you know, it's been very noticeable the last ten years, very much even. Uh, Younger people notice that the climate has been different for the last 10 years. Very, it could be uh, very hot or very cold. You know, this different kind of prediction we know now because we've always predict how it's going to be because we know the land, we, we know the environment. But uh, the last 10 years, it's been kind of a little bit different, uh, the predictions of what's going to happen next. So this kind of things were challenging. What are you seeing in terms of wildlife? How is that affecting the wildlife around here? The only thing that we have problem is pretty much is uh, overpopulated muskox. Oh, too many. Yeah, uh, and the reason for that is the caribou and the muskox can coexist on uh, 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 area. Mm -hmm. uh, so the muskox usually drive the caribou away, and that's kind of disturbing the migration route for the caribou to uh, fully uh, migrate north and then back south. So uh, these are some of the challenges that we face uh, on our caribou production. Yeah. So caribou is really the, the, the base of sort of the food economy here, yes. isn't it? Absolutely. Well, Yes, the caribou mm -hmm. is, is uh, what we grew up on. Uh, uh, it's always been the uh, source of um, uh, vitamins, uh, the zinc, all that what is to make your body more uh, efficient, to more 
that's what Caribou gives us more. So that's been our uh, the main. There was hardly any muskox on Arbitor. There's you know there's always been muskox in Prince of Wales, stuff like that, or Somerset. We know, uh, but Caribou's always been the main um, uh, animal that roam on Arbitor, and that's what we we eat and know. So that's what the the, the community would like to continue to protect the caribou for. Mm-hmm. We're in caribou season now, is that right? Or yeah. Do you, do you... Um, so I think uh, the way I hear the hunters, uh, they might all be pretty much migrating south, yeah. right? pretty close to uh, all the caribou. Pretty much all gone. Yeah. So is that, I mean, is being out on the land, is, I mean, I know you've got this job in this office here in town, but do you are you out on the land on weekends a lot, or how much are you out there? Oh, um, I haven't been on the land for like maybe uh, remember, ten years. Uh, oh no! Like my my children are growing up, so they go out and do all the hunting. They do like, all. Yeah, I have a cabin in Middle Lake. That's where I go, you know, hang out on the weekends, stuff mm-hmm. like that. But other than that, yeah, uh, hunting, I, I leave it to my boys. Yeah, that's good. Uh, well, you uh, trained them well, obviously. Uh, that, that I just passed on what I learned from my dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. So tell me about those first hunts with your father when you were how how old were you when you were going out like eight yeah. nine ten sort of thing would that be yeah th- th- those days uh, I remember those days uh, being well not really hunting with my dad but being a part of uh, camp and helping out uh, however I can fishing stuff like that it, it's pretty seemed like natural the first time I ever caught caribou was uh, might have been ten. So, but we had to go quite a ways north from Tolokuraga. In those days, we had to overnight in in two places in order to reach the caribou. When I shot the caribou, oh, that was the best feeling ever. <laughs> Tell me about that. Uh, it was a bow caribou. Uh, my old man, he got pretty close to the caribou. He set up the gun. He told me to hold the aim, stuff like that. So I did... Uh, so I followed his instructions and I pulled the trigger and uh, got, got the caribou. So I was pretty happy about that. Nice one shot. Yeah, one shot. <laughs> was, uh, I was pretty lucky. I, I got lucky. I almost missed, but I got him enough. So, you know, my old man, uh, like, he didn't really run away. He just sort of moved after his head, but my old man made sure he was down after that. But I, I got the first shot, so that was my first caribou. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you've have you hunted polar bear as well up here? Yeah, I've uh, hunted. I've caught one polar bear in my life. I can't remember. I must have been 17, 18, 19, somewhere in there. I went out with my uncle uh, down down that way on Macintosh uh, area. Um, those are uh, those are a big dangerous animal though. Yeah, I, I remember catching that polar bear. It was cold that that winter and. Uh, but when they when we spotted the caribou, uh, seemed to be no more no more chills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Too much uh, adrenaline drive, I guess. <laughs> so, but that was a great time. Yeah. 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 What's it, I mean, they're very smart animals, aren't they? I mean, they're hard to track and hard to. Yeah, they're uh, they're pretty hard to uh, track. they um, all the animals they could hear, uh, like the snowmobiles from far distance, so they know. Uh, something's coming, so they're always prepared to run away and stuff like that. So, 
Um, the hunters are, they've been hunting here, you know, for, for generations. So once they, they could uh, notice a track fresh, then pretty much sometimes, you know, that be able to catch up to the uh, game. So were your, I mean, just going back to looking at your family's past, were your, were your parents, were they nomadic at one point or how, where, where do, how far back do you go? Yeah, uh, my old man, he's, uh, he was pretty nomadic. Uh, um, he moved, uh, like he was adopted out when, when he was a uh, newborn, but his adopted parents were, had uh, passed away before he was uh, old enough to take care of himself. So he kind of moved from uh, family to family uh, in this area, but he ended up with his natural parents in the end. So he grew up in, uh, in this area with, uh, with my grandfather and my grandmother. Um, but my mom, she was with the uh, Nascobi, the Hudson Bay. Mm. Uh, so she didn't really, I, she grew up around this area as well, pretty much. Uh, I don't know, we, we didn't really talk about her childhood when, uh, when, we were, when I was growing up, but she talked about this area a lot. She was here, yeah. yeah. She was more in one place, yeah. yeah. So I know uh, we're doing this podcasting class that we're teaching at this one, that's Silik, the school. And I know your your grandson, Roger, is part of that class, and he, he's been talking to us about hunting as well. Yeah. Yeah. And clearly it's a very important part of his life, and mm-hmm. it's, it seems like it's an important part of your son's lives. And I'm just wondering, as Inuit, as a, an Inuit, as an Inuk, uh, how important that connection to the land is in terms of maintaining culture, maintaining who you are. Being out on the land, you, you, you're one with the, with the environment. You know, like in town here, it's, it's, it's okay, but sometimes, you know, for some reason, it's, it's different being in a house, in a, in a building, versus being out on the land in a tent. Uh, you're more close to the ground, you're more close to the, uh, the, the air, the ubita, you know, natural air, stuff like that. Um, like I said, uh, we're, we're, we're hunters and gatherers. That's what we know. Um, we, we, we like to hunt the, 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 the game, the, the wildlife that is here. Like I said, we're not farmers, so therefore our way of life is sacred to us. It's, it means our identity. Being part of the world, we are different from, and therefore we feel we were part of this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that makes a, a Viktuk, I mean, that's, it goes back to that. Like, that's why that's so important yes. for you, because that's more important than having some lithium mine or like an oil production or, yeah. Yeah, again, we're not farmers, so we need the environment to be clean, the wildlife to be clean, that's, that's, our con- that's what we consume. And uh, we don't want any contaminate you know, on any of the wildlife uh, and the environment. We're not against mining, personally. We just don't want mining on our victor. We cannot tell the mining company don't mine anywhere. We're, I mean, that we just don't want mining on our victor. Uh, mining, we don't want it to be the first resort. We want it to be the last resort. That's yeah. our philosophy on mining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you had a message to people, I mean, there'll be a lot of people living in southern Canada to this podcast. What, what would your message be about what this place is and what it means to you? 
We're proud Canadians. We're proud to be Canadians. We love Canada. Uh, we love what goes on, uh, you know, um, hockey, stuff like that. It's uh, very important uh, as Canadian to be proud that way. We want to cont contribute to Canada, a place where it's never been disturbed. That's how important Alberto Gisto is. Yeah, that's, a, that's an incredible gift for the rest of this country, for sure. And, and one last question before I let you go is I ask everybody this and ask, what's your favorite place in Canada? And it might be up around here somewhere. Uh, maybe it's your cabin in Middle, Middle Lake. Or uh, What's your favorite spot? There's so many, there's so many places. Yeah, I'm going to need you to pick one, Jimmy, though. <laughs> I've always said, since I've been traveling around the world, if I had my own ways, I would never leave this place. I'd stay here all the time. Each hunting area, each place where you catch fish is different. And each one has a special meaning. Might be where you first catch a game or where your grandfather or grandmother taught you where, uh, how is that place, why that place, stuff like that. There's so many I can't, I don't think I can pick one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> can you describe your cabin at Middle Middle Lake? What's yeah, that? my cabin, well, I have a cabin. We, we my my, uh, my parents and I, like, we grew up on uh, Middle Lake. That's our that was your That was your home. What's yeah, your home? we... That's where we go catch um, landlocked trout and um, trout to dry for the winter. Yeah, that's our main main cabin, main camp to uh, to do that, as well as uh, other you know uh, easier access to go caribou hunting and stuff like that. That's a uh, each each person that has a cabin is is like their main camp to do other things so that they could start dry meat or fish in that camp. And my camp, my cabin is, uh, I built it there because my dad built a cabin there and we grew up in that area. So therefore, my, my, my son Roger has a cabin there now. He just built it this summer. He's still working on it, but we like to be there as, as much as we can to be, to continue to uh, uh, unite with, uh, with nature. Yeah. Yeah, when you were talking about catching fish, you had your hands about two feet apart. But I've seen pictures of fish from up there that are yeah. like four or five feet, yeah. like 30 pounds. Like, like I said, uh, you know, Middle Lake, we, we dry the fish. Uh, they're they, yeah, two, maybe two feet. In them, uh, some of them are smaller. But those are the right size to, for drying. And they don't go, they don't get moldy because they don't have enough. Like they don't, they're not so fatty. Oh, okay. So they dry quickly and they store um, store better. Uh, like the big fish, we, we we know where to catch them. We we catch them, but we try and consume them as quickly as possible before they go bad. But they're so they're so rich and they're so uh, fatty. Sometimes they go bad right away. Yeah. So. There's different season to or different areas for every size fish. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In, in the, Goes in back the to your point. These are two foot, and they're like char, and they're lake trout, and what are they? Yeah, there's uh, we have um, lake lake trout, landlocked char, char, uh, whitefish, oh, wow. um, 
in on the ocean tomp cod. Yeah. In uh, slurping. Yeah. And so then your sun dry them on racks? Is, is it sun dry or you? Yeah, sun dry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we do sun dry. Nice. Uh, on the caribou and uh, caribou. During the spring and summertime, but uh, lately, you know, with modern stuff, people have de dehydrators now. Yeah, so they're they, cheating. <laughs> so they just go with do dehydration. Well, listen, thank you so much for all your time. And, and we, we feel very lucky to be have been so warmly invited into this community. So thank yeah, you. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I thought this was going to be another regular interview, but I don't know. My heart is kind of beating oh. for some reason. That's <laughs> lovely. Well, that's such an honor. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Jimmy. And thank you all for listening. Can I ask for a favor as well? So if you like this podcast, can you tell one other person you know about it? You can do that in person by email. You can even do it on social media, however you like. We'd love to get these conversations to as wide an audience as possible. And this is really just the best way to do it. So thank you in advance for any help you can give that way. I also want to send out a big thanks as well to longtime Explore listener, Graham Adlam. He sent in a picture of himself listening in the car on the way home from a night shift to the Explore podcast. Eyes on the road, please, Graham. We definitely prefer it if you pull over to take your picture of where you're listening to Explore, but please do send in your photos to us. Our email is explore at canadiangeographic.ca. You can also tag us on Instagram at Cangio and at david.mcguffin. Please use the hashtag explorepodcast. So until next time, when we'll explore again, I'm David McGuffin. I think right now we're enjoying very much looking back at the Earth, and it's just a, a fantastic experience, and I just can't wait to get back and start telling people. We have Simpson about June 10th with the Fur Brigade, consisting of a number of York boats, each manned by 10 voyageurs. For us, it means, it means that Indian oral history is very strong. Every little over every inch of the country that it could be, we're hoping that he would fire at us. Oh, I guess 160. 